Open your Bibles, if you will, to Isaiah uh, chapter 2. We'll be in Isaiah this morning. And um, <clears throat> we love stories. That's why a lot of the Bible is written in uh, story form or narrative. Now, when I use the word story, uh, I don't mean a fictional or a fictitious story, okay? Uh, when I use the word story, I'm referring to that which is just communicated in story form or narrative form, right? And so much of the Bible is communicated in a, in a story form. We read narratives or true accounts of God's people and how God has interacted with his people uh, throughout centuries. And, um, and so as we, read, uh, as we read these stories, we recognize God is talking uh, to his people about specific times and specific circumstances uh, in their specific setting. Uh, stories connect with us, which is why we see the Lord's wisdom, honestly, in, in communicating much of Scripture uh, in, in story or narrative form. Uh, it, you, you might, like I do at times, enjoy just sort of like disconnecting uh, from the pressures of life, the circumstances that are going on around you, and finding yourself engaged in a good story. Now, if you're a purist, you like reading the book, right? Uh, if you're lazy like me, you like watching the movie. No, I, I just have never been a big reader in that sense, in terms of fictitious reading. Nothing wrong with it. It just uh, has never been my jam. But for some of you, it is. And so you want to make sure that you read the book uh, before you watch the movie. I just take the shortcut and go straight for the movie in that sense, right? Um, now, the challenge is, the problem is that Hollywood goes to great lengths to cause us, let me rephrase, tempt us to believe false messages that they portray. It's constant, which means we need to be on guard. We need to be aware. We need to be alert of what we're taking in, right? Nothing wrong with going to enjoy some entertainment, but you need to be mindful, number one, of what you take in. And number two, being aware of, of what it is and how it's affecting you, how it's impacting you uh, in your belief system, in your hope, in your discouragement, your, your doubt, uh, whatever that case uh, may be. So, so we need to be on guard. We need to be vigilant regarding the, the false messages that, that, that authors, that Hollywood wants us to believe. Advent uh, is, is about the coming of Jesus. It's filled with a longing and it's filled with great anticipation, which is why I want to encourage you, uh, do all you can as families uh, or as couples or even as an individual to say, you know what, I want to lean into this expectation, this longing for Jesus to come. Now, in the Old Testament, it was the Old Testament saints looking for the coming of the promised one, the Messiah, who we know as Jesus. We look back and we saw God's faithfulness in bringing Christ, and we look forward as we long for the return of Jesus for his people. So part of what we want to do is we want to be critiquing the false messages that we find ourselves caught up in. It's not only true that false messages come from Hollywood and the stories that they write for us. False messages also come from our own understanding or interpretation of what's going on in our daily lives. Someone hurts you and you interpret what has happened, why it's happened, what's their motive. You ever 
realized about when someone has, has maybe wounded you in a particular way. And in your mind, you sort of drum up this whole storyline of their motive and all the things that were gone, going on, only to have a conversation days, weeks, months, sometimes even years later, and realize, oh, I had it all wrong. I mean, they did still hurt me, and what they did was wrong, but I just did not understand their motive. I just didn't know the full story. And so we have to guard against that, not only interpersonally with others in the church or in your community or in work, but in your own families, our own families. We have to guard against how we interpret things around us to be sure that we're doing our best to uh, understand our situations according to how the Lord would uh, shed light on what's happening in our lives, right? And so we, we retell, we re-embrace this true story, this true gospel account, uh, specifically as we focus on these Advent themes, and we recognize, uh, we recognize the weight of sin, personally. We recognize corporately there's sin, there's sin around the world. It doesn't take much to look around the world and see why we need Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, to dwell in us, to dwell among us. Isaiah chapter 2, 1 through 5 says, the word, of, the word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, said, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the highest of mountains and shall be lifted up above all the hills. And all the nations will flow to it. And many peoples will come and will say, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion, or that is Jerusalem, shall go forth the law and the word from the Lord, from, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will be lifted up against, nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. So the book of Isaiah is, its primary purpose is to communicate the meaning of Yahweh. The Lord is salvation. In the Old Testament, we see this continual struggle with the place where God would reside in the tabernacle. And, and we see that progressively real, revealed throughout scripture. But the message being communicated is it's not intense made by human hands as though God needed anything. But it's, it's where the presence of the Lord chooses to dwell among his people. In a New Testament context, God chooses to dwell in the hearts of his people. And so we are a dwelling place for the Lord. So Isaiah literally sees a vision, uh, these symbols, these words, um, and he thinks through what this means in a spirit-ordained way, in a God way, God-centered way of living. And so when you and I can consider the, just the myriad of messages that we take in, uh, whether we're taking them in intentionally or whether we just, as you walk around and drive around and 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 live life you're getting messages that are coming at you from every direction whether you're choosing to take them in or not and so we need to see uh, that the true alternative to the false messages of the world is found 
in the Lord and in his word. Right? Maybe you've had a, a, been in that sort of a conversation before where your perspective, your view on reality or the outcome of your actions or what you're saying uh, isn't going to end the way that you envisioned. Right. Somebody's trying to help you understand the reality of a situation. Maybe you've uh, been the one trying to help somebody else understand the reality of a situation. You just say, you know what, this isn't this isn't working well. This is not going to go well. And so God's goal through Isaiah is really, I mean, a thousand years before Christ's birth is to show everyone that it's the Lord who saves. Right. Our first point here is as Christ is exalted, all the nations are drawn to him. As Jesus Christ is exalted, all nations are drawn to him. Verse two says it'll come to pass in the latter days. This is looking to a, a future time frame. And so Israel was looking forward to a future hope. We are looking forward to a future hope. In one sense, there's a looking out into the, the distant future, if you will. But in another sense, there's always a, a sense or a reality that it is imminent. It could be at any time. And so God promises that he will establish his rule in these latter days, the time when God's, uh, God finds this fulfillment of his promises in Jesus. And so we're in the midst of it now, but we're not at the end of it. So we think of the Bible as being progressively revealed. The more you move through the scriptures, there's a progressive revelation. In, in, in other words, we understand more of who God is and how he works. The more we read scripture, the more we see the, 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 the narrative flow of scripture throughout the entire Bible. And we get to certain aspects or certain points in the Bible and things become uh, a little bit more clear. God's kingdom, which is in us and around the believer, right? Because God dwells in his people. And so where we move, God's kingdom resides and moves with us in a sense, right? In God's people. It's pictured as a mountain in the Old Testament world. Mountains were uh, frequently viewed as the place where the gods resided, right? We know there's only one true God, but using that same kind of language, Israel's God, Israel's, uh, let me rephrase it, the, the dwelling of Israel's God was Mount Zion or Jerusalem, and eventually his dominion would prevail over the entire earth, the entire universe, really. His is the highest mountain. And in other words, if, if the gods uh, reside in these other mountains, no, Mount Zion is the highest mountain. Mount Zion is, is the greatest place where the greatest and only true God resides, if you will. It's the most important place on earth, lifted above the hills. Lifted above, exalted above all other religions, which we know to be false. Exalted above all other gods. Think about the Sermon on the Mount. The Mount Olivet Discourse. The Ascension. All of these things happening on, on mountains. Jesus built his church as a city on a hill to give light to the world. And so as Christ is lifted up through his church, all nations shall come to see it. Now, there's a sense in which the church is uh, a, a partial fulfillment of this reality, but there's more happening as, as the Lord will be manifest in Israel, as, as the Lord will fulfill his promise and people will come to worship the Lord. Not only are they welcome, but people from all nations and tongues and peoples will come. Listen to Isaiah 56, 
verses 6 through 8. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants. Everyone who keeps the Sabbath and does not profane it and holds fast my covenant. These, in other words, these who hear my teaching, my truth, and walk with me, I will bring to my holy mountain. I will make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings, their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house will be called the house of prayer for all peoples. And the Lord God who gathers outcasts of Israel declares, I will gather yet others to him besides those already gathered. We know Revelation 5, 9 very well. And every people from every tribe and language and people and nation. You might not actually admit this, but you ever go to a movie or you watch a movie or you maybe even read in a book, but you find yourself uh, engrossed in the story. You know, if, if you're watching it on the screen, the music intensifies and you can sort of get sort of get lost in the story as though you're actually a character in the story, right? Your heart swells as the music swells and you envision yourself there helping the army break through the line and carry out a war-torn, a war-torn flag that's going to be planted in new territory. And then the movie's over and the credits roll and everything kind of dims down and people kind of begin to get up and walk out and you can kind of be like, oh, I mean, I knew I wasn't actually there, but I sort of just forgot about everything else going on around me. Just kind of feeling like I'm right in the midst of this story right now. Well, nothing could be closer to the truth as believers. We are in the story. We are in God's eternal story of what God is doing in our hearts and in those around us. And we have a a crucial part to play in this. If you're in Christ, there's no imagination needed. We've got the immense privilege of helping people, many people, begin to flow, if you will, to the mountain of the house of the Lord. You and I have the privilege to say, come, let us go to the house of the Lord. We're in the midst of it, but it's still progressive. As Christians model the coming of the Lord to learn his word and practice his ways. I started with as. I should have said as. Christians model what it's look like, what it looks like to come to the Lord and to learn and to practice his ways. You might think of it like this. What is it about your church that's worth inviting people to? They're like, oh, that's a bold question to ask, pastor. <laughs> I got plenty of reasons. Plenty of ways that we see people loving each other, coming to the Lord, learning to walk in his ways, learning to care for each other. We just saw one example of it here. It would have been really easy for the values and their community group just to say, oh, man, we can't do it because it's, you know, he can't really accept the gift as a, as a sergeant. And so, you know, we're going to have But They said, how many you got? We get it. We don't want to just bless you and put you in an awkward place. We want, to, we want to bless your entire platoon. We want to bless everybody. Now listen, we don't always do community perfectly. In fact, we, we never do it perfectly. But as we come together to grow in the word 
learning from the Lord through his word in order that we might obey it. I mean, that's the best reason to invite people to come to church. If there are any other reasons, I'll come to Oak Grove, you'll find a great, great community, a great family. Well, that's good. Only insofar as that great community, that great family is working together to learn to understand God's word so that we might apply it. There are plenty of places you can go and find community, right? I mean, lots of great friendships in a bar. Lots of great friendships around sporting events. Nothing wrong with getting engaged in sporting events. But we come to the word, we come to the church, we come to the Lord to say, I want to come, I want to learn his ways so that we might walk in his path. Look at the purpose statement there. Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, so that, I added the word so, the ESV just says, that he may teach us his ways. There's a purpose statement. And as he teaches us his ways, and as we humbly learn from him, we might walk in his paths. There's the result. We come together excited to learn about God, to know God, to worship God, so that we might learn his ways, so that we might walk in his paths. There's this this historical reverence to the God of Jacob. You know, Israel would always say that the, the father of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, this is rooted in historically true events. And so part of our problem is, as humanity, we don't necessarily believe that God's story is real. So we have to clarify when I use the word story, we're talking about the true narrative that God is communicating to us through his word. That means your personal testimony is a real a historical account of what God has done in your life through the working of the Holy Spirit of God. Your personal testimony matters. That's why we go to great lengths, actually, to help people learn how to understand how God is working in their life and weaving their story as part of his story so that they can communicate it to others to begin to understand their story. We want to we help you learn not just how to know it and understand it, but how to be able to articulate it in a way that's helpful to others. So your personal testimony of God's redeeming work helps to cement what God has already done, is currently doing, and will do as he has promised in the future. And so we come to worship. We want to come. We want to bring as many people as we can. I just want to ask you. You tempted to think sometimes like, oh, we got to go to church today. Now, let's just, everybody nod with me and say, do we all have those days sometimes? Does your pastor have those days sometimes? No. (laughs) I struggle too. But our aim is to say, I love the Lord. He's done so much for me. Come on, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let's, Let's learn from him so that we might walk in his ways. Because I'll be honest with you. If you're not passionate about understanding God's ways so that you might walk in his truth, walk in his paths, why on earth would anybody else that you talk to care to do it? Right? Now, that's not to strip God. 
not to strip the Holy Spirit of his power of working in people's hearts. But what we're saying is we're not coming just because there are friends that we like, people that we have been getting together with for so long. No, we're coming because we want to open God's word. We want to learn his way, true ways so that we might walk in his paths. In a, in a real sense, you have the privilege of opening up the Bible with people in your home. And sort of say, hey, come. Let's go to the mountain of the Lord. Let's go to the place of the one true God to learn the only true, perfect way of righteousness. Your life will be better for it when you repent and turn to him and by his power walk in his truth. And I, I, would, I would argue, if, if you're not connected in some kind of community, now hear me here, like, man, this guy can throw in a plug for community groups anywhere. That's right. But what I'll say is this, if you're not involved in some kind of community where you're growing around the word, you're missing out on huge portions of God's purpose for the church. Say, I feel lonely, I feel disconnected. These needs didn't get met, this didn't happen. Well, I would just say, are you in biblical community? You need to be in biblical community. Why? Not just so your needs are met, but as you grow in the Lord, our needs will be met. It'll be imperfect. We're going to miss the boat, right? I've had times where I've said I was going to call someone and I, whatever happened and I forgot and I, I broke my word to someone. Those, those times tear me up because I, I don't like doing that, but I do at times. So we're going to miss it in biblical community. And I would say that if, if you have experienced that in the past and you say, yeah, this didn't work in the past and so I don't. I would just say, right, Christian life doesn't work perfectly for any of us all the time, right? If you, if, you, if you neglect to teach your kids a certain truth, you don't just say, oh, I'm not going to teach them. I missed it on that one, so I'm just going to give up on teaching them. I'm just going to give up on loving them well because I didn't do it great last week or last month. No, that would be ridiculous. In the same way, press into what God says about how we come together to learn his ways so that we might walk in his paths in his paths right one of the things that we see here is out of zion shall go forth the law and the word of the lord from jerusalem and then here's the challenge in verses four and five walk in the light of the lord walk walk in the light of the lord verse four says he will judge between nations the one true God, and he will decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, and neither shall they learn war anymore. That's what we often pray for around Christmas. For some reason, it's around Christmas. Historically, there were times when nations would be warring or in the Civil War and ceasefires would be agreed upon. Why? Let's just enjoy this day. Let's stop fighting this day. You know, as humans, we can come into these agreements for periods of time, but it will never be lasting. We're not going to see peace on earth until the Lord is reigning. He is reigning supreme, but until the Lord brings peace through righteousness. It's not going to come through 
NATO. It's not going to come through strategy. But the interesting picture is here, they will, uh, they will beat their swords into plowshares. That sounds like a very fierce uh, kind of, they will beat their swords into plowshares. What he's saying is the plowshare is the part of the plow that goes into the furrow of the ground, that goes into the dirt. In other words, the swords, no longer used for war, will be used for tending the ground, right? They will, uh, let's see here, they will, and their shears into pruning hooks, Right, these pruning hooks are like these uh, uh, these knives with hooks on the ends used to prune vines. These instruments of war will be used for instruments of life and peace and dwelling in one another's midst. Charles, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, the spirit which created war will be conquered. When the Lord comes to rule and reign. That's a day I look forward to. That's a day I look forward to. I know in in reality, it seems to me like it may be very, very far into the future. But it could be before we have Explore Oak Grove in a half hour. It could be today. Now, why, why does that imminence matter? Because we need to recognize that we don't necessarily have tomorrow. We know that with our own personal lives. But I want to ask you to think about your decision making for your life, even now. What is it that you're holding off on in your obedience to the Lord that you're waiting until tomorrow, next week, next month, next year? Or when this person gets things figured out, then I'll consider doing X, Y, and Z. No, no, no. If the Lord says it in his word, we have to heed it right away. Now, I'm a little bit of a hypocrite when I say that because I know that I have areas in my life that I need to work on. So it's difficult to say these truths when you realize, even as you say them, you know, I have my own areas that I got to work on. So I don't say it with a sense of uh, self-righteousness. I say it actually with a great sense of humility. In fact, there's time, there are times when you're preaching or if you're teaching a community group, small group, something like that. Sometimes we even get tempted. Ah, maybe I'll just skip that part because I know I struggle with that. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. No, we got to say it. Whatever I'm, whatever I'm holding off on for some future point, now, now's the day. Today's the day, Hebrews says. Do not harden your hearts as long as it is called today. Lean into the teaching, the truth of God's laws, God's moral commands so that we know his righteousness even in our own lives, which comes through Christ, and that we have greater opportunity to bring others along with us. I mean, that's the aim, isn't it? We want to bring as many people as we can. We want to let as many people as as is possible know that we love God because he is great, and he is holy, and he is kind. And he saves everyone who calls out to him. So we want to bring as many as we can with that message. A challenge for us is whether or not I actually believe it. Because we can get into the rhythm of religion, of church, going through the motions. So my question is, why are you here this morning? I'm glad you're here this morning. Are you wanting to come to learn from the word? 
Or you come because you like the music or the songs. You really love Christmas songs that we get to sing this month. Oh, I know most of you are here because you, you love the Lord. You love his word. And you want to do your best to faithfully walk in his paths. To walk in his ways. There's a labor, friends, that is an experienced as we invest in learning God's laws, learning God's ways so that we can walk in his path. It's laborious. It's difficult. I was reading a book last night and this pastor was talking about joy. And I just, I'm going to, I'm going to preach a sermon on this sometime. And I don't know if it'll come maybe later this month. I don't know if I'll have time to put it together well, but, um, he was talking about joy and he said, you know, sometimes we think about joy as the absence of things that are bad. We think about joy as the absence of things that are hard. He said, no, joy is love in motion. When we love others according to the will of God, we experience joy, even in difficulty, even or especially in hardship. We say, oh, this is hard. Church, I want to tell you the labor is worth it. Come, let's reason together. Let's labor together for the Lord because it's worth it. We work now. We rest in eternity. We experience the rest of not striving for our own salvation now. But in eternity, we rest forever. We rest now because we rest in Christ. But eternally, we rest from the labor. For now, friend, brother, sister, child, Adult, labor for the Lord. Labor for the Lord, knowing that in your labor you find joy, love in motion, expressed to other people as other people pour into you and primarily as the Lord pours into you. And so he closes with verse 5. O house of Jacob, O I'm tempted to say, oh, church, right? This is before the church was instituted, but oh, people of God, you might say. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Walking in the light of the Lord is the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Faith is, can be nerve-wracking. It doesn't mean you don't have any faith if you are trying to sort things out in your mind. But ultimately, faith that prevails means you are walking with a solid conviction of things that you know to be true, but have not yet seen. That's challenging. And the more you walk in faith, the more you see God's faithfulness. And the more your faith muscle is built, strengthened. And you're able to walk through greater challenges, greater difficulties, greater, greater difficulties. This is the confident expectation that brings joy in all kinds of circumstances. It's the perspective that uprights everything that has been upside down. Living in light of the eternal, invisible reality that we are sojourners, strangers. There's a band I used to like. They didn't last for very long, but... It should be called FFH, far from home. And I just love that expression. We're far from home. 
We're home in the Lord and we're home together in the Lord. And yet we know that right now we're just traveling through. Right now we're sojourners and strangers on a journey, much like the shepherds, much like the wise men who are following a star. And so I want to encourage you, church, get to know, get to love and abide in the wisdom of the word of God, which gives light to every situation, every circumstance, and bring as many people with you as you can. The challenge for us is to ask this question. Do I believe that the wisdom of God presented in the Bible is truly best? Because the narrative of Hollywood, the narrative of the world, and I'll say the narrative often of our own hearts, is that my ways are higher than God's ways. But we know that's reversed. God's ways are higher than our ways. Lean into the Lord. Walk in the light of the Lord. Help others see the beauty of resting in and trusting in Christ alone. Jesus did it. That's not like a, so there, at the end of the sermon. You think about it. Joy, as this one pastor expressed. Love in action. So Jesus approached the cross. Christmas is not the end of the story, you know this. Moves to the cross, and then the resurrection, and then the culmination of all things in the Lord's return. But Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorned its shame. And now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so we, we come to this table reminded of who Christ is, of what he has done, of how he trusted the Father, walked in faith perfectly fulfilling righteousness. We have the opportunity to do that. I want to encourage you as we come this morning, as we eat and as we drink, even beforehand, just to take a moment in prayer with the Lord and say, Lord, where do I need to deepen my confidence that your wisdom is right and true in all situations, all circumstances? Where do I need to put off trusting in my own understanding of life and be renewed through your word to be able to put on through the power of the spirit resting in your wisdom loving your wisdom confidently knowing that your ways are best and maybe one day I'll understand it all but for now we walk in faith as wholehearted followers of Christ